0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Hello folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's survival show, helping you harness the power of choice to live the life that you want to live and to strengthen your resolve. We make survival simple. Not extreme, and our goal in this show is to talk about common sense, everyday ideas that can help you live a better life. No extremism here, practical stuff. So if you're tuning in for the first time, I want to let you know you've tuned into A Voice of Reason. We keep things simple, but we keep them practical, and we talk about how to live a better life today, how to thrive today so that we can survive tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in. It is episode number 13. 30 of today's survival show. It seems like I just started doing this um, 30 times already. Thank you for listening. Let me uh, extend a welcome to all of the international listeners, obviously all the listeners we have stateside, and uh, if you're a first-time listener, if somebody said, hey, you should listen to this guy because, you know, he's got some common-sense ideas that he likes to share, well, thank you. If you're if you're tuning in for the first time today, I am extremely honored. We've got an interesting show today. Um You know, I did a show a little while ago called Nowhere Man. I think that was episode 28. And it was about, uh, I analyzed a song from the Beatles, and it was about people who have no plans. And I wanted to do that as a kickoff to a series that I'm doing on planning. Uh, The last episode was a, uh, I was going to do some stuff on planning and planning your life, but I wanted to throw that in there because I had a real good interview with Matt from uh, the Prepper's Network, uh, Prepper Podcast, excuse me. And I wanted you to hear that. And, uh, of course, that event came up with that uh, stupid incident from the school in New York. But So now what we're doing is we're starting the uh, series that I want to do. It's probably going to be about three or four episodes on planning and having couple of different plans in your life in a few different ways to help you succeed. And there's an old saying that people don't plan to fail, they just fail to plan. And survival is a lifestyle. We talk a lot about this lifestyle and we're planning a lot for disaster. We're planning a lot for you know different disasters, whether they're weather disasters that are locally or, or regionally in your area. Whether they're terrorist attacks that you're planning for. uh, Whether you're planning for a food shortage or whatever. It doesn't matter. We do a lot of planning, but I think one of the things that I want to stress that we don't do enough planning on. Just kind of my feeling here. You might think I'm wrong, folks. Is financial. Now, I want to go ahead and put a disclaimer out right now on this show. I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a certified financial planner. I'm not a CPA. So don't take this as me giving you strict financial advice. I just want to talk about what I have seen work. I want to talk about what I've done that has worked for me and my family. I want to talk about couple of ideas i've read some from some books that seem to work for some other people uh... and i've talked to a lot of people recently before i did this show to kind of get their idea as to how they prepare themselves financially so the title of today's show is living like you're a wealthy person living like the wealthy and there are certain ways that wealthy people live and the reason I chose this subject is I think preparing ourselves financially and getting ourselves getting ourselves and our family financially right I think that's the first step if you're going to be a modern day survivalist and you're gonna set yourself up for being able to have a strong response if some disaster happens I mean let's face it if you're broke it's really hard to prepare I mean it's not impossible there are a lot of free things that you can do there's a lot of training that you can get for free there's a lot of preparations that you can do you know for just a few dollars each but I really think that the greatest level of peace of mind occurs when you have financial peace of mind and you've heard me talk about Dave Ramsey quite a bit Uh, He's not the only guy out there teaching a lot of good financial uh, advice, but he is one of the best. Well, there's another book that I've read and that I subscribe to that I would encourage all of you to read if you haven't already. It's an excellent book. It's an excellent financial philosophy book, so to speak, and it's called The Millionaire Next Door. And if you haven't read The Millionaire Next Door, get it. It's an easy read. Uh, I'm going to share with you some ideas because you would be surprised. A lot of people have a stereotype of wealthy people and how they live. And this book, The Millionaire Next Door, breaks down a lot of the stereotypes that people have about how the rich people live. Um, You remember that TV show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Well, that was junk. You know, it was an entertaining show. It was fun to watch. I can't even remember the guy's name now. That Robin Leach. That's who it was. Yeah, that was. You know, it was an entertaining, fun show. But that's not really how the majority of wealthy people live. Now, you might be thinking, well, Bob. You know, what does living like the wealthy have to do with survival? I think it has a lot to do with survival, and I think after I get done talking to you about some of the topics today, I think you will see how it sets yourself up for what might come your way down the road. So, that's an introduction to today's show. Let me take just a brief little time out here to uh, go over some announcements. Uh, I'd like to extend an invitation, if you have not done so already, to join our forum. It's an excellent place to communicate with like-minded people. We've got a real friendly group on our forum. They're willing to help, and they are always willing to uh, welcome new members, Good ideas on that forum, so go to survival.com slash forum, or you can go to the main page, survival.com, and click the forum button. It'll take you where you need to go. The other announcement I want to make is I want to encourage use of our chat room on the forum. It is up and running. It's been up and running, I think, a little over a week now, and I'm having fun with it. It's a good learning experience as well. There, Believe it or not, I never realized this, there are things you can learn in a chat room interacting, people, interacting with people live that you really can't learn in a forum. So there are instructions on the forum as to how to activate and get into the, cha- the chat room. You do have to be a member of our forum if you want to take advantage of that privilege, but I would encourage you to do so. And the last brief announcement I want to make is uh, let you know, if you hear a little bit of background noise in today's show, I am recording this uh, while I'm driving, uh, going on a business trip. So that's why you might hear, if you say, hey, you know, uh, I hear some background noise. Sounds like he's driving down the freeway. That's because I am. Just want to take a little advantage of a little bit of windshield time to share some ideas with you. And that knocks out the announcements. Let's dive into it. Let's talk about wealthy people, specifically millionaires, because that's who the uh, the book, The Millionaire Next Door, talks about. Now, that book is not just written by some people that have an opinion. What I like about it is they've done a lot of research. They've analyzed how wealthy people live. And they've taken their findings and they've put it together. And I'll put a link in the show notes as to how you can get the book if you don't already have it. And I'll give you some information about the book in that link as well so you can see what kind of research that these folks have done. But. Let's talk a little bit about the um, the profile of wealthy people because I think you can understand a lot from this by learning who these people are. First of all, it's an it's estimated that about 3.6 percent of the uh, United States population are millionaires. Now I don't know how that. Um, figures into other countries. I know we have some listeners from foreign countries, but in the United States, we got about 3.6% of the people or so, roughly, and it depends on which economist you talk to and, and what figures you read, but it's right pretty much in that neighborhood. And there were about 70 millionaires or so that these authors of The Millionaire Next Door interviewed, and they start off by talking about the Profile, or pretty much the characteristics and the makeup of millionaires and their lifestyle. So let me tell you about some of the uh, things that they came up with here, and see if you would agree that this fits into a survival situation. Again, let's talk about how we can do things differently today to set us uh, to set ourselves up for a better tomorrow. Excuse me. You know, how can we do things differently today? I really think that's all what it's all about. So here's here's the makeup of millionaires or wealthy people. First of all, they easily delay their need for gratification when purchasing things. And I think that's extremely important. you got to drop that need for instant gratification. Wealthy people don't do that. Also, another characteristic, they are re- very resourceful in getting what they want by carefully timing their purchases. You see, sometimes timing your purchase, especially if it's a major purchase, is critical. Like for example, one of the things that they found that millionaires do is when it comes to buying technology, they don't buy it when it first comes out. They wait a few years till the price goes down about 75 percent. And then they buy it. You might say, well, Yeah, but by the time they uh, buy that on sale, Bob, when it's 75% lower, now there's new technology that's come out and surpassed that. So what? Wealthy people don't care too much about that. They buy, when it comes from technology and major purposes, pretty much enough just to get them by. Remember that show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? That's Hollywood, folks. That's generally not how most wealthy people live. You know, they like to make living below their knee, below their means a, a painless exercise. And, you know, you've heard a lot of people in the survival community talk about living within your means. You ever seen those billboards advertising Dave Ramsey's show? You know, I love his slogan, Act Your Wage. Well, that's what wealthy people do. They act their wage, but they take it one step further. And that important step further, I'm going to cover in about 10 minutes, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But a couple more characteristics that I want to share with you of wealthy people. They don't like waste. Most wealthy people don't waste anything. Sometimes they're accused of being pack rats, but they seem to have a balance between accumulating too much stuff, but also not wasting it, and not being the ultimate consumer, so to speak. In other words, they get the most out of what they purchase. Wealthy people, they do spend money. It's okay. I mean, they they believe in spending money, but again, they look to buying appreciating assets instead of depreciating assets. They like to buy things that appreciate. In other words, they will be very smart and very reluctant to buy products that depreciate like cars, like modern technology, things like that. They're much they're very wise about that. And we're going to cover that in a few minutes here. And probably the biggest characteristic that they say makes up wealthy people is their reluctance to do things like keep up with the Joneses. Now, there are also a few facts that I want to share with you about the wealth dispersion in the United States. In other words, you know, what is causing these people to be wealthy? You'll be surprised. You know, it really bothers me when when people get the wrong idea of how wealthy people get wealthy because and again, I'm not putting this on all of them. I'm just saying the vast majority of them, let me share some facts with you how the vast majority of people become wealthy in their life. First of all, you might think, well, income differences. You might think, well, wealthy people make more money. No, they don't. Uh, One thing talked about in the book, income differences only make up about 5% of the reason why people become wealthy. Income is only 5% of it. Chance events, you know, like inheritance, things like that, only makes up about 4%. You know, it bothers me when you get a lot of people that like to play the the class warfare game. A lot of politicians like to play the the class warfare game, and they like to restrict how much money families leave to their family members, inheritance tax, and so forth. You know, folks, that only makes up about 4% of the reason why people become wealthy. In investment choices, you might think, well, you know, they make, they make better investments. And they, they know how to find the secret of investing wisely so they can make millions of dollars investing. Not true. Investment choices only makes up about 8% of the reasons why people become wealthy. So, you might be thinking, Bob, what is it? And some of you, I'm sure, have probably already figured it out. I probably don't need to make the next point, but I'm going to make it anyway. How much they choose to save. That is by far, far and away, the number one reason why people become wealthy. Now, here's my personal example. Let's take two families. all right? And let's say you got one family... That has a net after-tax income. Let's say they both work. Both husband and wife work. They got a net after-tax income of about sixty grand. right? And you have another family that has a net income of about $150,000. So again, one family, both husband and wife work, $60,000 after taxes. The other family, their income after taxes combined, about $150,000. All right? Family number one. If they spend about 80% of their income and save about 20, they're spending about 48 grand a year. Simple math, right? They're socking away 12 grand. Here's interesting fact that a family who only makes $60,000 a year, and let's say that's all they ever made throughout their entire lives, if they structure their expenses and their spending, to live on eighty percent of their income if they sock away twelve grand a year and it doesn't matter how they invest it as long as they're investing it to protect and make sure that their principal is returned to them as long as they're not being foolish as long as they're not taking you know wild chances and uh, doing stupid stuff with their money they have a far greater chance of becoming wealthy and forget millionaires for a minute because you don't have to be a millionaire to be wealthy I'll define what being wealthy means in a little bit. But that family has a much greater chance of becoming wealthy than Family B that earns $150,000 but they're spending $147,000. Family B is only putting away 2% of their income. They're putting away $3,000 every year. Who's going to become wealthier sooner? And folks, i got to tell you, there's a lot of people that are Family B. Making 150, spending 147. Unfortunately, you know what? I'll bet you there's even a lot of families making 150, spending 160. And that's the problem. And we're going to talk about debt and we're going to talk about credit in a minute. But if you just do the simple math and you take family A socking away $12,000 a year, and let's say they start doing that when they're 25 years old. And by the time they reach uh, age 60 versus the other family who made 150 and only socked away three grand a year, who's going to be better off? I think you can figure that out. So, the point I'm trying to make is it's pretty simple and it's pretty basic, but sometimes the simple and basic stuff blows right over our head. It's spending and saving behavior that turns people into wealthy people, not investments not chance events, and certainly not income. So, with that said, let's talk a little bit about some of the behavior of wealthy people. And this is what I really uh, really appreciated the most about the book, The Millionaire Next Door. Uh, they talk a lot about the actual spending and saving behavior of wealthy people. First of all, let's talk about buying cars. When millionaires buy cars, they usually buy used, fuel-efficient cars, and they keep them for a long time. You know, millionaires are not the kind of people that are going to lose 25% of the value on their car by buying new as soon as they drive it off the lot. As a matter of fact, um, at the time that that book was written, which I think was 94 or 95, I'll have to go back and check that. And if if it wasn't written around that time frame, I'll correct that in the show notes. But take a guess as to what the most popular automobile that was driven by millionaires at the time that these guys wrote the book. And I was shocked when I read it. I thought, you know, that uh, that most millionaires are going to be driving fancy cars. You know, Lexus's, Mercedes, and things like that. About a six-year-old Ford Crown Victoria. I'm not, I'm not joking. That was one of the most popular automobiles. I think a Toyota Camry, a used one, like a five- or six-year-old Toyota Camry, was also another popular car driven by wealthy people. Well, you know, at, at that time, you know, you could get a Ford Crown Vic that was used for not much money you know probably far less than 10 grand and you know what it's a car that was functional and it was a car that I you know whether you what you whatever you think about Fords uh, it was reliable enough it was basic transportation you know And as Dave Ramsey says all you need folks is something that's fairly reliable and gets you from point a to point B you don't have to have a fancy BMW you don't have to have a fancy Lexus because guess what the BMW and the Lexus Still, just going to get you from point A to point B. The Ford Crown Vic will do that too, and it was easy to, uh, and cheap to fix, and that's why a lot of millionaires. Now, that might be different, a little bit different today, but the, at the time of the writing of that book, I'm pretty sure that was the case. You get the point. Um, they buy used cars. They typically buy them for cash to avoid finance charges, and that is the key. Is they Wealthy people aren't going out and taking out 72-month financing on brand-new cars. That's not usually what wealth... Now you might have some. You might have some that do that, but the vast majority are buying the used cars and they're paying cash. Their philosophy is if you can't afford to pay cash for it, you just don't buy it. Now, the next behavior item. Wealthy people. Eating out. All right, no surprises here. Uh, most wealthy people believe that... Um, you know bringing home some food if you go to eat out bringing home food for a later meal that's a good idea amongst most most wealthy people you know they're using a take home bag and they also eat out during hours when they can find a lot of specials usually off peak times usually not on weekends typically they skip desserts Typically, they skip expensive drinks. Their philosophy about eating out is a minimalist philosophy. If they do go out to a restaurant, it's it's a minimalist, you know, let's just, you know, spend the least amount that we can while we're here at the restaurant. Usually, most wealthy people have a specific reason for eating out. And the next point I want to make is most of them are eating in. You know, you can, obviously, we all know you can eat in for a lot less if you stay at home if you 're creative, you can eat in at home for a lot less than eating out and you know the best part about eating in is you can typically eat a whole lot healthier by eating at home. Uh, most wealthy people are smart shoppers at the grocery store uh, They typically only buy food that are that 's on sale. Uh, a lot of people on our forum have been talking about that lately buying food only when it 's on sale and wealthy people are also a lot better at haggling on prices Uh, and it doesn't really matter what they're buying even if they're buying uh, technology if they're buying car wealthy people learn the art of negotiating Um, go back and listen to one of the other podcasts that i did on negotiating they have more go-to-town money go back and listen to the show i did on uh, on go-to-town money because that's important the more go-to-town money you have the more negotiating power you have the better deal you can get on what you're purchasing wealthier people are better at haggling on price The other reason why they like to eat in, it's cheap entertainment. They can have friends over. It's usually a lot cheaper to eat in, entertain friends, than it is to take all those people out to a fancy, expensive restaurant. In the long run, every little bit that you save makes a big difference. Wealthy people understand that. Um, Another interesting behavior, uh, buying clothes one of the habits of the wealthy is they buy clothes in the off-season they take advantage of off-season deals buying their summer clothes uh... in the fall or winter if they can find them on sale buying their winter clothes uh... like in the springtime when winter clothes are going on sale and they also avoid buying clothes with fancy logos on that you're paying money for to advertise for somebody else most wealthy people don't care too much about whether people are going to judge them because they've got a fancy Tommy Hilfiger logo on their shirt. Most wealthy people, they don't care too much about that. That's just not part of the self-esteem makeup. They have greater self-esteem from a paid-off house, paid-off car, and no bills, and no debt. They hold that in much more... Importance. It, that's much that builds their self-esteem a whole lot more than having fancy logos on their clothes on their clothing. I like what Dave Ramsey says. He says the paid-off house has taken the place of a BMW as the national status symbol among wealthy people. And another behavior, the final behavior I want to talk about: wealthy people donate a lot. They donate a lot of money. They donate a lot of clothes. They donate donate a lot of material uh, possessions. Giving back, wealthy people, the vast majority more, excuse me, the vast majority of them believe in giving back. Most of them folks are not selfish people. You've got a few bad examples out there, but you've also got a whole lot of people that give money to charity. A lot of wealthy people strongly believe in that. Most of them, especially if they're self-made millionaires, if they're self-made wealthy people, they remember what got them there. And they pay back. And, uh, there, well, actually, there is one more that I wanted to cover. Uh, since today we're real concerned about going green, uh, this is something that I found that wasn't in the Millionaire Next Door book, but I found it in another source. It, most wealthy people, when it comes to g- going green, most of them don't equivalent, they don't, um, they don't associate going green with being frugal. That's not synonymous in the mindset of most wealthy people. Most of them, the reason why they go green or the reason why they look for alternative sources like solar energy and putting in radiant barrier um, insulation in their houses is mainly because of the energy savings and how these products are going to pay for themselves over the long term. That's where their frugality comes into play. How are these going to pay for themselves? They're not so much worried about Helping the environment. They're worried about saving money. They're worried about paying for uh, themselves over the long run and how this is going to impact them financially over the long term. So electricity usage and energy usage and things like that, that's what's a whole lot more important to them than trying to save the polar bears uh, that Al Gore wants them to save. And uh, maybe if Al Gore would do a little bit better job of uh, going green and uh, helping set the example for saving some of the polar bears, maybe we'd take them all a little bit more seriously. But this is not a political show, so I'm not going to get off too much on that. We're talking about wealthy people and how they behave now the final point that I want to make in today's show about the uh, wealthy people are some of the characteristics and uh, this is pretty this is pretty brief but I think it pretty much sums it up most of them their priority is, is saving building wealth and regardless of their income level regardless of their individual circumstances regardless of their choice of investments integrity is also very important most of them view their status and their integrity and how people think of them that's where they get their self-esteem from not in their not in their material possessions but in their level of integrity their level of honesty their level of charitable giving and basically the type of person that they are and you'll notice something about the vast majority of wealthy people are uh, you don't know that they're wealthy they don't act like it they don't flaunt it they don't have a need to they live in a modest home they drive a modest car they may have a 10-year-old television that's way behind in technology, but you know what? It still works. They might still be using a 6-year-old cell phone because they didn't want to spend 300 bucks like I was foolish enough to spend on the iPhone. Just kidding. I love my iPhone, but I paid cash. I didn't go into debt for it, okay? So at least I'm doing at least I did when I bought the iPhone what a lot of wealthy people do and they pay cash. And one of the major points about the book or in the book The Millionaire Next Door is these author these authors say, you know what? The millionaires out there, you you typically don't know who they are. Many of them are small business owners that are running a small business and all the debts are paid even in their small business. They are out of debt. I've got some customers like that that I call on. And, you know, I've never had a chance to sit down and talk personal wealth with them, and that's none of my business. But I can just tell by the, by the way these people run their business. One of them is a real sharp young lady, and she told me she, uh, about three or four months ago, she says, Bob, I have no debt in this business. She runs a security company. And, and this is how they run their businesses. They typically don't go into debt. And if they do go into debt, it's a very small amount, maybe 10% of their total revenue. So if they're bringing in a million dollars a year, they might go maybe, maybe go... in debt, but they really prefer not to do that. Okay? So not only do they run their personal lives debt free, but these millionaires typically are running their businesses. And a lot of them are self employed, but not all of them. You know, many millionaires or even wealthy people, and again, let me define the difference uh, what wealthy really is. You don't have to have a million dollars in net worth to be wealthy. In my humble opinion, Wealthy means, basically, wealthy means one thing. Here's my uh, definition of wealth. I think it comes down to just one thing, folks. Do you have to worry about money? If you don't have to worry about money, if you don't get up every day with a huge burden thinking about money, you are wealthy. I mean, plain and simple. You don't, it, wealthy is not determined by the number of dollars in your bank account, the total net worth of all your assets. If the total net worth of all of your assets is a million, two million, three million, ten million, congratulations. That's wonderful. Even if the total net worth of all your assets is $35,000, if you're not worried about money when you get up every day in the morning, you are wealthy. So as you're making your preparations as a survivalist, what I want you to understand is when you look at money... Don't look at money with the goal of being wealthy, being a, a multimillionaire type wealthy. Just look at money as something that you want to eliminate from your worry list. That's the best way that I can put it. Just like you're eliminating everything else from your worry list if disasters happen. Take money out of it. And that should be the first goal you, sh- you set. Get rid of money. Take it off of the worry list. We talk so much about planning as a survivalist. You know, I think you should take everything you're worried about and write it down. I mean, seriously, any disaster that you are worried about, put it on paper. Make, number one, money. Because money disasters are very common, especially in today's economy. And make your first goal to wipe that off the list. Do whatever preparations you have to do. Pay off debt. Uh, I'm going to do another show coming up strictly on my attitude towards debt. Uh, It's similar to many others, but I've got a few different twists. But, you know, let me just throw this out there as kind of a preview. You can't call yourself a survivalist if you carry debt. I mean, you just can't. I'm sorry if that offends you. Um, If you want to disagree with me, if you want to throw some negative comments, comments on the forum or on the blog about it, fine, go ahead, but I'll justify that in an upcoming show. You can't call yourself a survivalist if you're carrying debt, especially credit card debt. Credit cards are evil, plain and simple. They are, Credit cards are the root of all financial evil. Right? You've heard the saying, money is the root of all evil. Well, credit cards are the root of all financial evil. It all starts with those rotten things called credit cards. And again, I'm going to save that for another show. But uh, that pretty much concludes what I wanted to say about living like a wealthy person. I think you got the picture now. Uh, Living like a wealthy person doesn't mean a a lavish lifestyle of partying and fun stuff like that. I'm not saying that wealthy people don't have fun. I'm just saying they're not like that show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. So throw that. If you guys, if you're listening, if you used to watch that show, just throw that out of your mind. That's not who those people are. Now. On to a different subject. I want to talk a little bit about a disaster that has affected a lot of us today. Thank God it hasn't affected me. And uh, I'm very thankful that it hasn't affected me. But we're going to talk a little bit about job loss. I want to mention that. I want to talk about being laid off. I want to talk about losing your job. Because it's happening so much today to so many really good people. It's a shame. But it's part of the world we live in right now. And there's some ways to deal with it. I touched on this in one of my other episodes earlier. But I want to give you some ideas on what you can do if you've been laid off. These are some things that I think can help you. So if you are one of those unfortunate people that have been laid off, and uh, I'm very sorry to hear that. I truly am. I consider everybody who listens to this show friends of mine. So if I find out that you have been laid off of work, Uh, It hurts me because it means that a friend of mine has been laid off. But there's some things I want to share with you that might help you get through that difficult time and help you get to a situation where you'll be feeling a lot better once you get back to work. A couple of things that I've thought of. Number one, if you've been laid off, avoid negative people. Stay away from negative negative people. I have a nickname for them, Joe Neggies. Stay away from the Joe Neggies out there. Staying positive and surrounding yourself with positive people is extremely important. Keep your distance from people who want to complain and dump on you. The other thing, the next idea I've got for you, focus on the things you can control. Okay? You know, it's it's important to understand the the larger issues that affect your situation. And what I mean is don't get stuck on big issues. If you're out of work, don't start thinking about all the really big stuff. Focus on what can you control. Stay focused on things like what you can what you can do to adjust your budget. What are the little things that you can do right now today to adjust your budget a little bit, to tweak things here and there according to the new economic reality you got in your life because things, I mean, you know, Obviously, your world's been turned upside down. So now it's time to start turning your budget upside down until you can find another job. The next thing, the third thing I want you to do, sit down and make a list of all of your strengths and the resources that you have. After you've been laid off, it's easy to start doubting yourself. It's easy to start becoming overly focused on the obstacles. Start balancing some of your concerns by focusing on your strengths. Say to yourself, all right, what am I good at? I'm going to focus only on what I'm, going to, what I'm good at and I want you to remember not only to include your own perceptions but also ask other people. Get other people involved in, in identifying what is it that you're good at. Ask people who you trust. Ask people who you know and love. Hey, what do you think I'm good at? What do you think is a strength of mine? What do you think I should be focusing on right now? And if you're trying to reinvent yourself, if you say to yourself, All right, I've been laid off, I've had enough of the industry I just came from, I don't want any part of that anymore, this is where you need to start getting your circle of influence together. Start talking to people who you trust. Again, that's important. And start asking them, you know, tell me what you think I should start looking at looking at and have an open mind, folks. Because be ready. Some of them are gonna give you some suggestions that may slap you across the face, but be open open-minded to them the worst thing you can have if you're out of work and you're looking for new work is a closed mind now the next thing i want you to focus on is to avoid self-defeating thoughts and what i'm talking about is either these are thoughts that are usually knee-jerk responses that pop into your mind and there's no reason to them it's just they're self-defeating you are just starting to say to yourself oh i'm just not good at that that's just not me i'm just not worth anything Don't start talking that way to yourself. And uh, I'll share with you the key—the key to getting out of this negative self-talk when you're out of work—is first of all recognize it. When you're doing it, recognize. All right, you know what? I'm just being too darn negative. This is just me, and uh, I'm I'm starting to think too negative here. I got to stop it. Challenge that negative thought and change it into a helpful, more constructive thought so take it on and say all right you know once you realize it say all right you know what I'm going to challenge you. Is that is that really what's going on with me right now? Nah, I don't think so. So I'm going to dismiss that thought and I'm going to engage in something positive. And one of the things that you can do is you know take on a personal project. Take on a personal project of something. You know, let's say you've been wanting to always always wanting to organize something and you've never had the time. Go and organize it. Now that you're not working, you've got some time on your on your hands. Get your house organized. That'll build self esteem. It'll take your your mind off of those self defeating thoughts and it'll start giving you some purpose. It helps you to manage your mood, so to speak. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, The other thing I want you to uh, remember if you're out of work, uh, put routine back into your day. This this was hard for me. Uh, When I've been out of work, it was hard to get back into a routine. You know, If you lose your job, it means you're losing a big part of your daily routine. One of the things to remember, start to act like you're still working. Even if you're not working, act like you still are. Wake up at the same time you used to wake up every morning. Take a shower. Get dressed. Eat at the same times that you used to eat when you were working. Complete some of the same chores that you used to do before you went to your job. And then get the heck out of the house. And and go do something. Make believe like you're still employed. This is so huge. Don't get into a rut. Don't start changing your routine. One of the reasons that uh, you were successful in what you were doing is because you got into a good routine. And just because you were laid off doesn't mean that you weren't successful. I mean, your company might have just been one of those companies that doesn't know how to run themselves. And you had incompetent managers who ran the damn thing into the ground, and now you're laid off. But just keep that routine going, because that's what got you there in the first place. Now, the next thing I want you to do is, before you go to bed every day, every night, excuse me, Make a written plan for the next day. Okay, what are you going to do? Who are the top three people you're going to call to either find a job or to start doing your networking? That gives you structure to your following day, and it gives you that reason to get up that I was talking about. And uh, I mentioned this a little bit in one of the other shows, but uh, if you are... Unemployed, you are now employed. And what I mean is if you don't have a job, you now have a new full-time job. Your new full-time job is to find a new full-time job. Now, I realize you can't work, look for work 24 hours a day. You know, I realize you've got to sleep and everything. But make believe like you still have 10 hours worth of work to do every day, and that is getting out there and finding some more employment trust me, even if you have to um, start looking at jobs that you didn't think that you uh, were ever going to look at, it makes a huge difference. And don't forget about regular exercise schedules. If you were on a regular exercise schedule, don't quit that just because you're out of work. If you can't afford your gym membership anymore, go ahead and cancel that and save the money, but go out and take walks every day. Throw your bug out bag on every day and go take walks. And do it at regularly scheduled times just like you used to. Also, don't forget to Spend time with your family. It's very important. Don't shut your family out when you're out of work. They love you. They're going to continue to love you. Uh, Don't shut them out. Do things like volunteer. You know, volunteer in your community, volunteer at your church. That's so important because that also keeps your sense of self esteem up there. And and finish projects, finish things at home that you've been putting off, that you've been procrastinating on. Get that project done. All these little steps, you'll be amazed what this will do to your self confidence. You know, I mean, losing your job doesn't have to be all that depressing, folks. A lot of it is a is a situation. It's a temporary situation. It's what you make of it. And it's a behavior change that you have to engage in because things are different now in your life. But you're going to be able to get through it. So put together some of those uh, thoughts that I just shared with you. Uh, Put them on paper. Start doing them. And if you are out of work, again, my heart goes out to you. I, I know that if you employ some of the things I just shared with you, it will make a huge difference. And although things are bad out there, For talented people and people who have a good attitude and have a good outlook on it, um, things are not as bad as you might think. And with that, I'm going to start to bring uh, this episode to a close. I just want to do a brief review. Um, you know, in the, in the first half of the show, we talked a lot about the habits and the behavior and the characteristics and the profile of wealthy people. And how living a wealthy lifestyle may not be what Hollywood makes it look like, but it's actually a more frugal, common sense lifestyle. So remember that, and focus on some of that, and you will turn yourself into a wealthy person. And don't forget the Bob Main definition of a wealthy person, and that is not having to have money on your worry list. And we covered some ways to keep your routine and your self-esteem up if you are one of those unfortunate people that have lost your employment. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I hope it's helped you. And before I close, I want to say this. Uh, I've completed 30 episodes of today's survival show. And I hope that if you have listened to even just a few, or if you've listened to, to all 30, I hope that you've received some benefit from it. I hope it's helped you to uh, change your life in some way because that's why I do this. So I want to put out a call that if you feel like you've received the benefit from this show or our forum or our chat room, if you feel that it's in your heart, and you feel like you could make a small donation to today's survival show, I would much appreciate that. There are small costs in keeping this thing going. Uh, All three parts of it, the podcasts, the forum, and the chat room. No pressure. Um, If you feel like it's something that you'd like to do, great. If not, that's okay too. Uh, I I am going to ask you this. Please don't go into debt just to donate to this show. Only do it if it's something that you can uh, pay cash for. And if it's a modest amount, that's fine with me. And that's all I'm going to say on that. No pressure. Thank you for listening. Uh, This has been Bob Main. And you have listened to another episode of today's survival show where we help you harness the power of choice to live the life the way you want to live it, folks, on your own terms. And to strengthen your resolve, we make survival simple, not extreme. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.